I'm author and athlete Brad Kearns. Welcome to the Be Rad Podcast, where we explore ways to pursue peak performance with passion throughout life. Visit bradkearns.com for great resources on healthy eating, exercise, and lifestyle. And here we go with the show. Um, hard training uh, male athlete whose reproductive flame is being turned down uh, as well as the other uh, biological functions uh, as a consequence of uh, overly stressful training patterns. I've increased the nutrient density of my diet by making better choices. Of course, within the ancestral realm or the ancestral list, you can escalate significantly by making better choices. A great example that's come to light recently is how red meat is vastly superior uh, with its nutrient profile and its lack of an unfavorable uh, fatty acid ratio in comparison to uh, chicken and pork and turkey. Um, you know that optimizing is a lot different than being normal or in the normal range because we are comparing, we are building a database with such a disastrously unfit, unhealthy, overfat, overweight population. Hey, I want to tell you about Schwank Grills. This is a revolutionary portable gas infrared grill that uses the exact same heating technology as the world's best steakhouses. You heat up to 1,500 degrees Fahrenheit to grill the juiciest steak you've ever tasted in as little as three minutes. Can you believe it? That's right. You do not have to go to those crowded, noisy, super overpriced steakhouses anymore when you have the same technology in your backyard. And the Schwank portable infrared grill is not just for steak. You can make chicken wings hamburgers, seafood, lobster, vegetables. I make salmon in three minutes. They even have a pizza stone accessory. I want you to visit their very informative and mouth-watering website at schwankgrills.com. That's S-C-H-W-A-N-K. Everything you cook, faster, juicier. The speed is so important, so convenient. Uh, There's a drip tray on the bottom, so you let the juices drip down. I love the bison burger, the venison burgers. That's my game. And then you can add a mixture of butter, spices, whatever you want, into the tray. Pour it back onto your meat or your salmon for a huge improvement in flavor. Are you getting hungry? I am. (laughs) Let's go to schwankgrills.com, S-C-H-W-A-N-K, grills.com, and up your home cooking game. This is a -a one-of-a-kind grill. I have a great discount code for you. Of course, it's BRAD150 to save $150 off your purchase of a Schwank grill. Welcome to part three. Reflections on energy balance, stress optimization. Could more carbs, less hormesis, and a faster metabolism promote longevity? Compelling, salacious titles. I've talked through some concepts that challenge some of the basic assertions of the progressive or ancestral health movement, but I think it's pretty easy to find some reasonability and common ground, and hopefully nothing has been too um, disruptive or offensive uh, to date in the first two shows. And in part one, I talked about this concept that was inspired by Energy Balance podcasts with Jay Feldman and Mike Fave, Uh, the idea that fasting, carb restriction, keto, uh, these restrictive diets can prompt 
a stress response in the body because you're starving your cells of energy. That's widely acknowledged as a truth, and many health benefits come from that, especially in contrast to being chronically overfed and underactive, which sets the stage for modern-day disease patterns. However, we are striving for balance with our stress-rest patterns in life. So I pose the question that really hit me hard, that um, it's possible to overdo it. Um, and when you combine uh, high-intensity workouts and devoted uh, fitness training, athletic training schedule, and uh, compelling goals, along with uh, a baseline level of uh, hectic, high-stress modern life and all the things that we do all day long to prompt stress hormones and increase our energy demands, both cognitively and physically, and I'm stacking on uh, doing this crazy stuff in the advanced age groups, unlike those in the athletic prime age groups, let's say 15 to 35 or whatever. So that's another stress factor. And when you stack them all up, it could possibly tip you out of balance into overly stressful patterns and resulting uh, health consequences and uh, compromised function in a variety of areas. Recall the quote from Dr. Herman Ponser, reproduction, repair, growth, and locomotion are a zero-sum game. End quote. That means locomotion, meaning exercise, energy expenditure, right? Training, fitness, uh, building a brick wall, all those things where you're doing physical output. And if you go deep into the locomotion realm, you will be borrowing from those critical uh, energetic uh, biological factors, such as your reproductive fitness, your reproductive drive. Uh, your ability to uh, recover from stress, repair, and of course, growth, meaning uh, challenging the muscles with the workout and then having them repair and come back stronger. And this is essentially what's going on with the extreme training athletes who are pushing themselves so hard on the locomotion aspect that they turn down the flame of these other important uh, biological functions, thereby uh, putting themselves constantly on this red line where a tiny tiptoe over will result in, for example, an overuse injury. Uh, the uh, elite female endurance athletes commonly suffer from, I don't know if we should say suffer because they're, they're um, prompting it with uh, their hard training, but they uh, commonly uh, experience amenorrhea, that's the uh, cessation of menstruation because their body is no longer fit for reproduction due to the uh, low body fat levels that we see are a necessary component of performing at the elite level. So it's sort of a very obvious and visible trade-off, uh, especially for the elite female athlete. And uh, let's, of course, uh, draw the comparison to um, hard training uh, male athlete whose reproductive flame is being turned down, uh, as well as the other uh, biological functions uh, as a consequence of uh, overly stressful training patterns. And then if we layer in um, dietary uh, intervention that can prompt stress hormones and uh, starve the cells of energy uh, for intended health benefits, that's the question that I've been reflecting on, and I'm trying to take you through uh, a summary or a review of what we were talking about in parts one and part two, but a very quick one. 
Uh, in part two, I talked about that important distinction between just the linear uh, concept of consuming calories and either burning them or storing them, uh, and that that component in the middle of the story, uh, your ability to burn ingested or stored calories for energy. And the major, major problem in modern life is the consumption of these nutrient-deficient, heavily processed foods, especially industrial seed oils, that inhibit your body's ability to produce energy. And that is uh, regarded as the big problem uh, with uh, putting on excess body fat, especially visceral fat, as a sign of uh, inflammation, metabolic dysfunction, most likely uh, or, or strongly driven by the consumption of nutrient-deficient foods that are inhibiting energy production. And alcohol goes in there too, right? Because alcohol is a source of calories, but it's a poison that we have to burn off. And it's not really the intended uh, definition or the intended use of the term calories. Okay, so we covered all that. Hopefully you can listen to that if you missed it. We talked about some of the conventional discussion of longevity and what it's all about, how we often hear that calorie restriction promotes longevity due to evidence from animal studies and some of the problems with that, and then the question of uh, turning up stress hormones and turning down some of those important dials, reproduction, repair, growth, and locomotion, and how attempts at uh, calorie minimization or caloric efficiency uh, might not produce the uh, intended benefits. Um, we talked about the Okinawans and how, um, yes, they're eating healthy foods and having that um, sensible uh, diet, especially the philosophy of Harahachi Banmei, which is uh, eat until you're 80% full rather than stuffing your face as we've been uh, prompted and trained to do by uh, Western uh, food processing and food marketing and uh, consuming these uh, nutrient-deficient, hyper-palatable foods that uh, prompt you to want to consume more and more. So it's essential to look at this always from a big-picture perspective of getting healthy first, uh, like Dr. Tommy Wood reminds us, and many other experts, Kate, Dr. Kate Shanahan as well, uh, get those seed oils out of your body. Um, Kate says six months is a necessary detox period to do cold turkey reduction elimination of industrial seed oils, and then only then you have more progress to go from there. But this is a major, major deal. We've been consuming these throughout our life. They're prominent in the food supply, especially in restaurant meals. And so that's kind of the starting point for the discussion. And until you do that, you're going to suck at burning energy and you're going to have all kinds of problems and you're going to jump from diet to diet and not see the results you're looking for. Okay, so that brings us to part three where we're going to talk about being reasonably fit, healthy, uh, satisfactory blood work, satisfactory body composition, but looking to optimize further, but still uh, giving the thumbs up to identify as a healthy human rather than someone who's metabolically damaged and experiencing all kinds of daily and chronic dysfunction due to a processed food diet. So we've opened up that gateway, and then we ask the important question of um, whether healthy, fit athletic types not only don't need to 
really get deep into fasting, uh, carb restriction, keto, and so forth, but might possibly be harmed by trying to restrict carbohydrates, trying to restrict fat, if we're going to talk to everyone here, uh, or trying to engage in uh, prolonged fasting, time-restricted feeding, things like that that have the potential to turn down those flames that we want operating at full capacity, reproduction, repair, growth, and locomotion. Um, I mentioned how on my show with Dr. Casey Means, she talked about the concept of redundant pathways, whereby a sprint workout, a prolonged period of fasting, uh, both starve the cells of energy, prompting a, a stress response in some way, and then an adaptive response where you become uh, better at burning energy, conserving energy, repairing uh, damaged dysfunctional cells, all those benefits, autophagy, apoptosis, and mitochondrial biogenesis. That's the uh, making of new mitochondria and improving the efficiency of existing mitochondria by virtue of challenging the cells to perform better by temporarily restricting their energy in contrast to a life of minimal activity and chronic overfeeding and furthermore chronic overfeeding with garbage. Uh, That's setting the stage for metabolic dysfunction, cancer, heart disease, all that uh, nasty stuff. Similarly, Paul Saladino uh, talks about these redundant pathways in the context of environmental hormesis versus plant hormesis. So when we're consuming these highly lauded Uh, nutritious foods with high antioxidant, anti-inflammatory properties, um, your kale salad and your steamed broccoli and your uh, delicious bowl of nuts and all the rest in the high antioxidant category, what's really happening is we're consuming uh, the natural plant toxins and mounting an antioxidant defense response, widely regarded as a health benefit. Uh, but Paul suggests that there are some side effects uh, according to when you're consuming a poison and mounting an antioxidant defense response, and you can get the similar benefit uh, redundant pathway of jumping in the cold water and prompting an antioxidant, anti-inflammatory defense response as we recalibrate back to homeostasis from uh, the cold exposure. Uh, my personal observations in this area, when we're talking about combining fasting with intense exercise, with fasting afterward during my keto experiments, with eating very low carbohydrate meals during my keto experience, with having a bunch of birthdays so that I'm in the 50 plus age group, I experience numerous occasions of crash and burn. And I'm talking about uh, six hours after the sprint workout or 24 hours or 36 hours, I would all of a sudden just run into a brick wall and have a desperate need to take a very uh, deep and restorative nap. Fortunately, I'd wake up and feel better or I was, you know, consuming uh, healthy nutrient-dense food. So I wasn't starving myself or dumping in um, the, the the toxic processed foods, but in that attempt to keep carbohydrates low, um, a lot of times was, I think, um, a, a battle or a conflict with my uh, intense competitive goals. And I know people have adapted really nicely uh, in this area. Uh, Luis Villasenor, the bodybuilder, powerlifter behind the Keto Gains uh, internet uh, community, 
they've done some great coaching and training. They get people to lose weight, feel better, uh, correct uh, all manner of autoimmune and inflammatory conditions by going on the ketogenic diet. And Luis has been uh, a strict ketogenic eater for uh, going up on 20 years now with uh, an amazing uh, physique and performance in powerlifting competitions. Um, same with the uh, the low-carb endurance athlete scene where guys are experiencing uh, benefits from going in the ultra distance level of competition, particularly where they're not going super fast or at uh, super elevated heart rates, uh, but they can fuel these efforts uh, on fat, which is the desired source of fuel for long distance performance. Uh, and by combining uh, fat adapted training with uh, fat adapted dietary patterns where they're emphasizing fat for fuel and trying to become uh, more efficient at preserving glycogen and not needing large doses of carbs, uh, they can kind of ease the, uh, the difficulty on the digestive system of taking a bunch of onboard carbohydrates during exercise, and they can maintain a faster pace at the fat-burning heart rates because they've trained their bodies to get really good at burning fat. So those are all uh, wonderful success stories validated by the the clock and the people uh, living and breathing um, a fat-adapted athletic experience. Same with my main man, Brian Liver King Johnson, who I quote-unquote called out on the first show, uh, wondering whether uh, his amazing stack of uh, stressors could tip over the balance to be qualified or considered unnecessary. But I emphasize that the psychological benefits that he obtains from living that deep ancestral lifestyle, hopefully you know what I'm talking about if you've seen him on Instagram, TikTok, uh, just blowing up the the space with his amazing uh, lifestyle coming and sharing with the public finally, which I've been uh, begging him to do uh, years ago. And he finally uh, overcame that initial reluctance. This is now showing people, and it's uh, kind of over the top and it's sensational, but let me tell you, it's not an act. This guy actually lives an ancestral lifestyle to a level uh, that's more extreme than anyone I've ever seen. And so when he's uh, doing his barbarian workout and fasting for five days every quarter preceded by a glycogen-depleting workout, uh, this stuff is all working very well for him, and he's very uh, highly adapted to be able to uh, survive a five-day fast, right, and then perform incredible workouts. Maybe not during that five days. He tones down his workouts, but then he's back into uh, carrying the 40 pounds of chains on his neck and doing all the crazy crazy stuff you see on his social media accounts. Uh, but he gets so much psychological benefit from those that you certainly can't argue against his initial premise that uh, the modern human is soft and lazy, and we would benefit greatly from doing things like exposing our body to cold once in a while, uh, pushing ourselves in the realm of high-intensity exercise or endurance exercise, um, fasting, gaining a greater appreciation for mealtimes and nutritious foods uh, through the fasting. Of course, I think everyone can agree that if you're going on a <laughs> an 18 or a 24-hour fast, uh, it really prompts not only whatever metabolic hormonal benefits you're expecting or hoping for, but also that increased psychological pleasure when it does come time to sit down for a meal. So gaining that discipline, that focus, that resilience, uh, that gratitude, that increased appreciation for the ease and convenience that most of us enjoy in modern life, 
Uh, and as Dr. Anna Lemke talked about in her uh, interview uh, regarding dopamine, uh, we also prompt an opponent process reaction. That is when we induce deliberate suffering and discomfort, such as jumping into the cold tub, we trigger a hormonal response that delivers lasting and well-deserved pleasure. So when we put ourselves into difficulty, when we strive and struggle and overcome challenges, this can be physical in the example of the cold tub, or it can be cognitive in trying to write uh, your first poem and struggling through uh, difficult times and uh, having you know roadblocks when you're learning guitar or whatever it is that you're uh, doing seeking a peak performance endeavor and you trigger that opponent process reaction as opposed to indulging in instant gratification and these immediate dopamine triggers that are easy and don't require any effort and in that case what we get is dopamine overload and uh, the withdrawal symptoms that are similar to addiction where um, we no longer uh, get that uh, that high pleasure from uh, reaching for social media. Instead, we're scrolling through stuff we don't care about. Um, we're getting negative and criticizing, as Mark Bell points out. When we use social media too much, we'll turn it into a negative, and all those things are distinct from living a, a life of challenge and and struggle and uh, putting yourself out there on the starting line like Liver King does. So. I want to tell you about wildhealth.com. They're an online provider of comprehensive precision medicine and health consultation services. They offer DNA analysis, custom lab panels, extensive medical intake form with family history and lifestyle preferences, and regular online visits with a board-certified precision medicine physician and a health coach whom you can message anytime through their convenient app. Wild Health evaluates your data to determine what you need for nutrition, exercise, sleep, and supplements, and you can experiment, consult, and retest to get everything dialed in. You'll get a cutting-edge epigenetic test of DNA methylation to calculate your all-important biological age and have fun lowering your age over time instead of following the mainstream path to accelerated aging. It's time to strive for awesome instead of just normal. Did you realize that only 6.8% of Americans are deemed metabolically healthy and only 2% are declared optimal? That's disgraceful, but you can turn things around quickly. Please visit wildhealth.com and you will see that this is the absolute gold standard of personalized medicine and it's available to you right now. Telemedicine available anywhere in the USA. Wild Health is generously extending BRAD podcast listeners 20% off the cost of membership. Just visit wildhealth.com slash Brad or use the code BRAD20 at checkout to get 20% off and start taking control of your health today at wildhealth.com slash Brad. We do not want to discount those benefits that are outside of the uh, the metabolic consequences, let's say, of Liver King doing a failed hunt glycogen depleting workout and then fasting for five days. And of course, you don't want to try this stuff at home. And 
exceed your stress capabilities. And so that's what I'm talking about here. And so when I relate my own poor Brad's crash and burn story from fasting overnight, waking up, doing a sprint workout that was probably a little bit too hard for a 50 plus athlete, and then fasting for a few hours afterward because I'm testing my blood ketones because I'm doing research for a book. And then I feel like crap the next day. That's uh, just stepping over the line and learning from the experience and maybe adopting a kinder, gentler approach to both dietary intervention as well as uh, the actual workout protocol. And so I will state here, as I've said uh, in, I think, another show where I talked about um, five ways that I've uh, improved my health and fitness in recent years. And I will say that it was around 2019, so um, 19, 20, 21, Wow, that's three years ago already. Can you believe that, people? Anyway, since since 2019, I feel like I've had a, a really significant boost in health, energy, and fitness due, attributed to a number of things, um, some of which I talked about on the previous show. Um, these include uh, loosening the purse strings on a restrictive diet. So after uh, my initial fascination and foray into keto in the process of working on the Keto Reset Diet book with Mark Sisson and our subsequent uh, books after that, um, throwing carbs back in there on an ad hoc or an intuitive basis. Um, possibly that meant also consuming more calories during the day because I had uh, a little more open purse strings. Uh, considering my increasingly impressive dark chocolate habit alone, uh, that would probably increase my uh, calorie consumption every day because now I allow myself to indulge in dark chocolate where with keto everything was you know more restricted and I was measuring those carbs diligently. So loosening the purse strings of carb restriction, uh, getting in better shape for those sprinting and jumping workouts due to uh, you know time going by and putting in more time at the track and, and getting more experience, especially in the high intensity, high impact activities. And also making what I believe is a fundamental and very effective shift over into a animal-based or an animal emphasis diet, uh, greatly inspired by the early carnivore advocates like Dr. Paul Saladino on his epic podcast back in May of 2019 on Ben Greenfield's show. Also, Dr. Sean Baker, another prominent carnivore advocate who, in my age group, is breaking world records in rowing and showing that you can be a peak athletic specimen. So, I drifted in that direction of emphasizing more of the nutrient-dense, nose-to-tail style animal foods, doing a much better job than I had uh, prior to that. Um, that's where the inspiration came for preparing the Carnivore Scores Food Rankings chart with Kate Kretzinger, and you can download that chart for free on bradkerns.com. Please do so, print it out, and tape it, magnet to your refrigerator, and it's the idea of emphasizing the most nutrient-dense foods on the planet as your dietary centerpiece. So I drifted away from trying to emphasize plant matter as the bulk of my plate with the realization inspired by Dr. Saladino that these are not the most nutrient-dense foods on earth. 
even though they've been marketed successfully to think that there's nothing that tops a kale salad uh, in the area of a health enthusiast, uh, but rather the pastured eggs, the grass-fed beef, the oysters, the salmon eggs, the liver, the king of all foods in terms of nutrient density, uh, as as promoted by Liver King and as validated by uh, laboratory evaluation of what's uh, served up in a five-ounce serving of liver, it's hard to dispute that. And so that's been a nice awakening where I believe I've increased the nutrient density of my diet by making better choices. Of course, within the ancestral realm or the ancestral list, you can escalate significantly by making better choices. A great example that's come to light recently is how red meat is vastly superior uh, with its nutrient profile and its lack of an unfavorable uh, fatty acid ratio in comparison to uh, chicken and pork and turkey. And I'm talking about uh, mainstream conventionally raised chicken, pork, and turkey because these animals have a much more difficult time processing their grain feed that's seen in the feedlots in comparison to a cow, which as a ruminant animal, as well as all the other ruminant animals, uh, buffalo, uh, bison, lamb, things like that, uh, they can process these grain feeds and still deliver a favorable end product with excellent nutritional profile. Uh, We're going to have articles in the Brad Kearns newsletter about this topic because you still hear people uh, spouting these dated Uh, party lines like, well, I'm trying to clean up my diet, so I'm eating a lot of chicken and fish and not so much red meat. And you might even want to consider to flip-flop that statement that if you want to improve your dietary nutrient density and minimize your exposure to adverse ingredients such as the uh, high levels of polyunsaturated oils in the feedlot animals, chicken, pork, and turkey, you would transition over to more red meat and less chicken and and pork and turkey, and also uh, a great uh, percentage of the fish available in the the typical marketplace has a lot of objections, both from um, toxicity, uh, sustainability, uh, the the fishing methods, and of course the farm salmon and the farm shrimp are highly objectionable due to the mass production. They're kind of like a feedlot fish as opposed to the wild-caught fish, and especially the category of oily cold water fish, which have the most nutrient density, uh, a favorable source of omega-3s, which are difficult to obtain in the diet elsewhere, and the SMASH acronym stands for sardines, mackerel, anchovies, salmon, wild-caught salmon, and herring. So emphasizing those uh, would be a move up the chart if you're thinking of the carnivore scores chart. So just a little tidbit there, and I'm doing so good on the the grass-fed beef. Thanks to Butcher Box. So here comes a commercial in the middle of the show. Spontaneous commercials. Aren't those the best? So if you go to butcherbox.com slash bradkearns uh, to make sure that you get the free promo, and the promos are pretty awesome. It's a lot of extra food. Oh my gosh, you will have your custom selection of the very best, highest quality grass-fed beef that you can find. It's way more affordable, in my experience, from going to a fancy supermarket and paying uh, the big dollars for grass-fed beef. I'm always scared to uh, pay $19 a pound for a, a cut of steak because I might screw up the cooking. I'm not a, I'm not a gourmet chef. I look at it, go, that's a lot of that's a lot of pressure there, man. Uh, but with Butcher Box, I'm getting these monthly shipments uh, stacked with the greatest ribeye steak. Uh, the ground beef is delicious. The flank steak is delicious, and they have appropriate 
appropriate organic pasture-raised uh, chicken and uh, pork. And so you're getting the, the best quality and that alleviates a lot of the concerns with the factory produced uh, chicken, turkey, and pork. So there's my message, and I, I'm such a big fan and a paying customer, so I feel very comfortable advertising for them. For real, butcherbox.com slash Brad Kearns. And this thread is still talking about the changes or the progressions I've made to report feeling much better since 2019, as opposed to a quite a bit more rough and rocky road in the years prior to that. Uh, so I'm also going to add, uh, along with uh, loosening up the dietary purse strings, especially with the carbs, and I'm talking about healthy, nutritious carbs. I'm not talking about I have more 7-Eleven Slurpees now because I've loosened my restrictions. Um, the restrictions and the discipline and the devotion to nutrient-dense food, as opposed to putting junk into my body, is uh, still very strong. I'm thinking of doing a whole show on this concept that uh, the quip, everything in moderation, is complete bullshit because the choices that we have are so disastrous to our health that we have to be strict and disciplined and devoted at all times to scrutinizing what we put into our body, and not to mention that, what we put on our skin. Hey, could this be another commercial for beautycounter.com slash Kearns? Indeed, it could be, because I have switched around to put nice skincare on my body every day, and the... Uh, natural deodorant, clean deo, and I'm really into this uh, message that we have to do the best we can, especially with stuff we put into our body with food or put on our skin. So with diet, I have the appropriate level of nutritious carb intake, including uh, deliberately adding more in direct association with the high-intensity workouts. Uh, I have the increased attention to dietary nutrient density and the awareness of trying to rise up the rankings on the carnivore scores chart with my food and meal choices. And seriously, ButcherBox has made that so easy. So uh, there you go with that. Um, also, I think the psychological aspects are so important and the ability to let things go and not get caught up in um, rumination and anxiety, which my show with Dr. Ron Sinha talks about in more detail, where um, we can be doing all the right choices and checking all the right boxes in a practical uh, sense as we go through the logistics of our day. But if we're in our head too much, we're too stressed about things, we know this is a common problem, especially in the progressive health movement. They use the term orthorexia for uh, an unhealthy fixation on doing the correct thing and eating the correct foods. And when you can't find them or you can't be perfect, you get stressed out about it. Or you read an article and it, it prompts a stress response in the body because now you wonder if your diet's uh, effective or not. So I'm really appreciating the process of getting older as a person and building up a little bit more resilience against um, stress reactivity to all kinds of things in life. So the, the goal of worrying less, um, I think it's nice that aging can provide a boost for that and a, a more uh, wisdom, experience, and peace of mind. Uh, not necessarily, but hopefully you can leverage that as you get older and learn how to worry less after going through uh, the the battles and having a lot of smoke clearing. Um, I, I don't think I don't see how you could uh, 
go any other way except to uh, sit back a little bit more and um, reflect and uh, say that, you know, the sun will rise another day. And this goes for uh, parenting, um, your, the, the constant worry that a parent has over their children. Hey, maybe from ages zero through four, it's super appropriate. Um, we want to worry about the the open door to the swimming pool. And then from age four to 10, we loosen up the purse strings a little bit and we let them climb on the jungle gym at the playground. And maybe they're going to fall since we're not holding them constantly. And then from ages 10 to 18, you have to uh, appropriately let go and let them live their life and find their own way. And then when they become adults, you uh, take another step back and, oh, isn't that a wonderful process to go through and realize and apply that uh, the same example to, let's say, your uh, your career path, uh, your financial matters, um, your fitness goals. And it lines up with my original podcast title, which was the Get Over Yourself podcast for you old time listeners. You can remember that. And I love that theme because it's kind of an answer to uh, a lot of this stuff when we get into our head and we start worrying and obsessing. And if you could just tell yourself, hey, uh, get over yourself, um, you're not the center of the universe. And let's form the belief that things are going to come out okay. And at least by forming that belief, you will help the process instead of getting in your own way. Okay, so those are a lot of reasons why I feel better, stronger, more alert, more energy, less of the crash and burn patterns. Um, but that psychological aspect, really, we need a big plug for that. So if you're still listening thus far and you want to experience peak performance, maintain your fitness as you age, your vitality, your muscle mass, promote longevity, and minimize the overall stress score and the stress factors in your life because you think you have enough stress already. And I'm putting that caveat in there because if you're not uh, providing enough stimulus, remember stress and stimulus are interchangeable and it's actually the literal uh, correct term for stress. Since we often use stress in a negative context, what we really mean is overstress. And when we uh, want to be literal, we're talking about stimulus. So if you don't have enough stimulus in your life, you might want to get up off the couch, uh, try some fasting, try some exercise, try uh, getting a job, uh, going to school, whatever, putting yourself out there. That's great. But if you feel like you have a sufficient level of stress and you're just trying to hang on and do the best you can and you want to get further healthy and, and more energetic... Uh, and also, if you have goals like uh, losing excess body fat and keeping it off, we shall investigate further, especially this concept about hormesis and how we might be misappropriating this uh, health centerpiece. Uh, here is a quote from Jay Feldman in his article about hormesis on his website, quote, energy drives our health and is needed for us to do anything and everything. When we have an energy deficit, our body reacts with a generalized response called the stress response, which is primarily characterized by the release of stress hormones. The stress hormones allow for energy to be produced to make up for the energy deficit, which allows us to continue to function, end quote. Uh, as I said in short, fasting turns on stress hormones. 
Okay, here's an argument about overdoing it. Obviously, everything's striving for balance, but Jay says, uh, while these stressors can be helpful in the short term, the adaptations can come at the cost of reducing our structural complexity and function as these are both energy dependent. And that's what I'm talking about with Dr. Ponser's quote that reproduction, repair, growth, and locomotion are a zero-sum game. We need to have all our flames burning appropriately on the stove. Uh, back to Jay's quote. They also result in adaptations that allow us to conserve energy to handle future stressors, which further reduce our structural complexity and function. And this might be turning down your metabolism because you go on an extreme calorie restriction diet, as I mentioned about the Biggest Loser participants having all kinds of problems six years later, still having a uh, turned down metabolism and a lack of desire to expend energy through workouts. Back to the quote, this energy deficiency and the resulting reduction in complexity and function underlies all negative health symptoms we may experience from fatigue to lack of libido to inability to concentrate to constant hunger and cravings. Okay, on the other side, still quoting Jay, excessive amounts of energy usage or an excessive energy demand is therefore extremely detrimental. Let's put some examples in here. Training for an iron distance triathlon as a regular citizen who has a job and a family. Uh, Working too much, (laughs) working 10 or 12 hours a day seems to be too much. Uh, Training for the CrossFit Games or being a devoted participant who goes several days a week to what might be considered a difficult to very difficult workout. So, back to Jay's quote, optimizing energy production or mitochondrial respiration is the best way to increase our resistance and resilience to the stressors that we'll inevitably experience. So, exposing ourselves to factors with the least energy demand relative to their beneficial special effects is ideal for our health. These special effects would, on their deepest level, be measured by their ability to impact energy production, end quote. So if you're getting uh, tossed up in the wording, um, what we're talking about here is the optimal amount of stimulus to prompt, let's say, a fitness response or healthy metabolic function. So, of course, no one's arguing that we should uh, consume an excess of calories, uh, nor should we consume uh, too too few. And when it comes to uh, workouts, oh my gosh, that's what everyone's striving for, is to find that, uh, that, that sweet spot where you're getting the maximum fitness benefits with the minimal amount of um, overstress or risk to overstress. And at my show with Dr. Doug McGuff, talking about his big five workout, extremely popular concept where he argues very persuasively with a lot of science behind it that you can increase your strength on an incredibly minimal commitment to uh, high intensity strength exercise, strength workouts, and his big five is five different uh, machine, very safe machine, uh, full body functional movements where you're doing overhead press, lat pull down, seated row, chest press, and leg press, working all the major muscle groups of the body, and you're doing one set to total failure once a week. So the workout takes around 12 minutes, like the subtitle of his book, Body by Science, says 12 minutes a week to a stronger body, and you uh, will get stronger over time with that minimal of a commitment. 
Uh, now we have all kinds of other fitness goals, especially uh, building endurance to perform in our chosen sport like tennis or an endurance sport, in fact, or getting competent at things that require skill like basketball, golf, high jumping, things like that. So we're going to be out there practicing our sport, certainly longer than 12 minutes a week. But to isolate that big goal of getting stronger with a single workout is a really interesting concept uh, applicable to uh, optimizing your um, the, the stress that you put on your body with minimal risk of overdoing it. And guess what happens when you go in there and lift weights too frequently in an effort to get stronger? Yeah, you succumb to breakdown, burnout, illness, and injury, possibly due to turning down those other dials uh, of uh, reproduction, repair, growth in the pursuit of excess locomotion. And I have discovered this intuitively so many times when the the load that I put on myself on workouts uh, was excessive to the extent that I couldn't recover appropriately. And so that is indicated by uh, fatigue in the hours and days after the workout. Uh, fatigue at rest, I think, would be an inappropriate uh, training stimulation. You don't want to be tired the day after your workout, nor six hours after your workout, um, as I reported. And I also believe a contributing factor was the uh, nutritional aspect and throwing in the fasting with the uh, extreme challenge of the workouts. Okay, I'm looking at more content from Jay Feldman, Energy Balance, on his argument. And he says, if we instead have an energy surplus... We adapt by increasing the amount of energy we use, which improves the functioning of our brain, digestive system, immune system, and other high-level functions. Our body will also favor energy production in place of fuel conservation, which allows us to further improve these functions and increases the pool of energy that we can draw from when we experience minor stressors, which then reduces harmful adaptations. And in the podcast that Feldman and Fave produce, they are going on to say some things that could be considered um, highly controversial or in opposition to uh, the the traditional or the the template for ancestral health, progressive health. Uh, they're arguing that in order to optimize mitochondria energy production, uh, we might choose to eat every few hours, including the introduction or the inclusion of uh, easy-to-digest fruit and even fruit juice. <gasps> Horrors! Uh, they want you to always balance carbs and protein and fat uh, because we have essential requirements for each of those macronutrients. Uh, and, you know, rejecting the funny business that we engage in about choosing either carbs or fat and all these things that are uh, predicated upon uh, not overeating or optimizing fat metabolism by restricting dietary carbs, as the ketogenic message says. Um, they're uh, on board with the uh, non-controversial uh, calling out of the seed oils as the uh, real culprit and the, the most evil uh, way to hamper your mitochondrial function. So that's cool. And we also have to put in a plug here for not doing stupid ass workouts that uh, prompt all this uh, reactivity against an extreme stress and um, hampering your ability to produce energy such that uh, your narrator here uh, can report, you know, feeling like crashing and burning uh, 24 to 36 hours later. So clearly this idea, the suggestion to eat a lot of food frequently and include all the macros uh, definitely conflicts with the popular niche diets of the day. Uh, the whole food plant-based vegan style low fat eater is going to take 
exception, the ketogenic and low-carb consumer is going to take exception with this idea, um, and they fire back. This is Jay's article uh, with a condemnation of these niche diets. Quote, the same can be said for low-carb ketogenic and carnivore diets, which mimic the fasted state, also called the starvation state. Like fasting or starvation, these diets cause a considerable amount of stress. There's a bunch of scientific references here. And under the guise of hormesis, the stress is considered to be responsible for the benefits seen. But like fasting, the benefits from these diets can largely be attributed to reductions in gut irritation rather than stress because many of the irritating, hard-to-digest foods that would lead to increased endotoxin production are carbohydrates, and these types of foods are avoided on these diets. I'm so excited to introduce you to Paluva. This is a new zero-drop minimalist shoe with the distinctive five-toe design from my main man, Mark Sisson. Paluvas give you the most authentic barefoot-style experience, but with sufficient cushioning so you can use them for all manner of daily movement, especially walking and many other fitness and athletic activities. Paluvas are also incredibly stylish, so you get a barefoot shoe that you're not embarrassed to wear around in daily life. It's been so cool to see the popularity of minimalist shoes grow over the recent years, but Paluvas are a step ahead of every other zero-drop wide-box shoe because of the critical feature of individual five-toe articulation, a separate slot for each of your toes. This allows for correct dynamic movement of the foot through the walking or running stride, which is impossible when your toes are encased into a single box, even a wide box. Well, you might know that minimalist shoes have faced controversy in recent years for causing injuries from inappropriate use. So here is the big picture mission. We want to get you walking in paluvas, living in your paluvas, going barefoot in your home or other safe areas as often as possible. Go ahead and use your specialized cushiony running shoes or your basketball shoes, work boots, high heels, things that you want to wear when you want to wear them, but wear your Paluvas as much as possible to reawaken the natural functionality of the human foot to stand, walk, run, and perform. Do you want to try a pair? I'm certain that when you put them on and walk around, you are going to quickly realize that these are the most comfortable, natural shoes that you've ever worn. They are designed to feel like you're, quote, walking barefoot on a putting green please visit paluva.com, that's P-E-L-U-V-A, and use the code BRADPODCAST and get 10% off your first pair. Paluvas, let your feet be feet. This has been supported by recent evidence showing that the anti-seizure benefits of ketogenic diets are due entirely to their effect on the gut and rather than the stress they cause. These benefits can be attained in ways that don't concurrently inhibit energy production, such as eating easily digestible foods and correcting gut function. If we were to evaluate the use of interventions like ketogenic diets, calorie restriction, or intermittent fasting, we'd see that they are generally a terrible idea because they're disastrous for energy production. Along with these principles, it's important to recognize our body's natural drive for optimization and increased complexity by providing it with the adequate resource and minimal energy demands. It adapts by using 
increasing energy availability, allowing it to thrive and maximize its capabilities. Whew, end quote. Okay, your head spinning like mine. Uh, these assertions are uh, highly disputed by uh, many experts that I uh, follow and respect. And so it leaves us in a little bit of a state of confusion. And my goal is to find some common ground and some sensibility here. Uh, but I do not reject this argument out of hand because it's very interesting and very compelling. And I think there's some parts that we um, can acknowledge and come to agreement on and then look further and do some personal experimentation. And clearly, the carnivore movement uh, has been bolstered by people who are experiencing immediate and profound health turnarounds, most likely due to the reductions in gut irritation, just like Jay asserts. And Dr. Paul Saladino, I'm sure, would agree with this. When you eliminate those plant toxins that are causing leaky gut and causing all kinds of autoimmune, inflammatory, and digestive conditions, it really does feel great. And so people can say, thumbs up to the carnivore diet. I feel fantastic. Don't tell me anything otherwise. Uh, but it's an interesting angle to look at to realize that this extreme uh, restrictive diet is beneficial because of what it's eliminating and possibly uh, partly objectionable because of what it is not including, right? So you're eliminating the plant toxins, but you're not including sufficient carbohydrates to meet your energy needs because a strict carnivore diet, of course, is animal foods and uh, little to no carbohydrates. I'm sure, and I checked with Saladino on this, he's completely on board because he has altered his position uh, very admirably in recent times to be a huge advocate of fruit and honey and making sure that carbohydrate intake is sufficient on a highly animal-based nose-to-tail diet. So I think Paul's finally dialed this in uh, after a couple few years and starting out of the gate uh, talking about eating uh, only uh, meat. Dr. Sean Baker, haven't checked in recently, but he was uh, touting this very simple carnivore approach where he was eating uh, big piles of steak and hamburger and not much else and proclaiming that this was sufficient. You didn't have to go into this uh, ordeal of uh, sourcing all these different animal foods and going nose to tail and getting all the great nutrition from the organ meats. Instead, just slap another steak on the Barbie mite and you can perform magnificent athletic feats and have a six pack and be a strong, healthy, functioning human. Again, um, hard to argue with results for anybody and all the results that uh, have been presented at uh, Sean's website that he uh, presides over this community called uh, MeetRx or MeetHeals.com. I can't remember the uh, the present, but you'll you'll find him on online and all the success stories that are out there. But again, um, you're reducing these offenders, but you're possibly missing out. And the way around that, uh, with Paul's guidance, is to choose the carbohydrate sources that have the most nutrition and the least potential for toxicity or reactivity to the plant toxins, the gut irritation, and that would be fruit and honey, which is uh, Paul's big uh, presentation. You can find him on Instagram with his nice uh, assortment of tropical fruits uh, down there in Costa Rica, his hood. So um, this has been really successful, and 
I think that maybe it represents the cutting edge of dietary strategy where you are not uh, devotedly restricting a certain macronutrient uh, in the name of improving your diet, but instead being really sensible and choosing wholesome, healthy, nutritious foods. And as far as the macronutrient uh, content or the percentages, I think it's probably uh, better to experiment with that yourself, uh, find the foods that you enjoy. We forgot to put in a plug for enjoying your life and eating delicious meals, but making sure that you have a total elimination of the toxic nutrient-dense foods, especially the seed oils, and cutting back on those plant toxins that could be secretly uh, harming your life and your intestinal lining. And I talked about the least offensive with uh, fruit and honey. And in the most offensive category, like grains and legumes, the gluten we're so familiar with is widely intolerable. And the other lectins that are found in those food categories, uh, roots, stems, seeds, and leaves, as Paul likes to tout, are all uh, areas where you're going to find foods with high levels of natural toxins because this is their defense mechanism against predators. So we're thinking about that kale salad with uh, nuts and seeds and bell peppers and everything's raw and it represents the highest ideal of a healthy, uh, woke, uh, environmentally sensitive human. And of course, you're getting a chicken breast uh, sliced on top to get your get your protein from one of the worst sources on the list, right? The conventionally raised chicken. Um, so it's a real awakening to then go look over, visit Liver King on Instagram and see him chowing down on liver and taking egg yolk shots and things like that. But we're talking about uh, the nutrient density of your diet and it's a big factor to uh, kind of awaken to and reflect further and realize that through testing and I think uh, a restriction period where you eliminate the plant toxins and see if you notice any improvements in the common conditions of uh, gas, bloating, transient digestive pain in association with meals. These are all signs that uh, you're processing some stuff that you might have a little difficulty with. Uh, so back to Jay's very sensible comments. I'm going to emphasize the, the very sensible parts of the sentences where when you provide your body with adequate resources and minimal energy demands, it adapts by using increasing energy availability, allowing it to thrive and maximize its capabilities. Hey, who can argue with that? And in support of this idea that you want to fuel yourself optimally, uh, reference my shows with Dr. Herman Ponser, the evolutionary anthropologist and author of the great book Burn, where he uh, discusses this uh, widely scientifically validated constrained model of energy expenditure. So our body has an upper limit, a calorie burning ceiling every day. And as I keep repeating, locomotion, reproduction, repair, and growth are a zero-sum game. So if you systematically underfeed your body in an attempt, for example, to uh, drop excess body fat, or because you're on a restrictive diet and you by default are not getting uh, the nutrition and the macronutrients that you need, such as a zero-carb carnivore diet, a low-carb ketogenic diet, or a whole food plant-based uh, vegan-inspired diet, uh, where you're cutting out all these important nutritional requirements, wow, I mean, you're going to turn down dials. It's pretty obvious. I don't think too many people can argue with that. So we want to get enough nutrient-dense food to 
keep all of our flames burning effectively, especially if we are the athletic type where we're uh, making huge energy demands on our body. And this is giving me a healthy step back uh, from succumbing to the hype about fasting and time-restricted feeding such that we automatically assume that more, more, more is better and we're going to get extra points if we can uh, slam out an impressive workout uh, while being in a fasted state and bank more hours fasting. So again, there's many, many millions or perhaps billions of folks today that are erring on the side of uh, excess caloric intake, uh, eating a lot of bad stuff that's inhibiting energy production, and then storing a lot of excess energy. Uh, but for those of us in the, the devoted health and fitness community, we might want to step back and ask that question. If you are uh, adding too many checkpoints on the stress side of the balance scales, and whether you need to be so aggressive with your uh, fasting, calorie restriction, carb restriction, fat restriction, as well as energy output at workouts. So I'm a month into an experiment here inspired by uh, the show with uh, Ben Greenfield and Jay Feldman and Mike Fave, where I'm uh, getting up in the morning, I do my morning exercise routine, and then I make a deliberate attempt to uh, put down a bowl of fruit and my big protein super fuel smoothie that has uh, frozen raw liver in there. It has a sufficient amount of frozen fruit, so I'm getting carbs, I'm getting uh, the most nutrient-dense food on the planet without having to make a face when I, when I down it. I'm getting the great uh, whey protein isolate that's easy to digest and is helping to uh, meet my daily protein requirements. So all this is happening uh, early in the morning, not first thing, but after I do my uh, morning exercise routine. And the idea here is that I'm sufficiently fueling myself for an active energetic day, both cognitively and physically. Uh, a month into the experiment, my body weight is the same. It's around 163 pounds. Of course, there's a float there every day, like Dr. Sinha talked about in his show, where, you know, you say to a lot of people, hey, don't step on the scale. It's too stressful. It's aggravating. He wants you to step on the scale every day and realize when you're in the upper range or the lower range of your uh, typical float in your body weight, uh, being at the top range could indicate that you are sufficiently uh, glycogen replenished and you can go and increase your workout output. And if you're on the lower uh, end of your typical range, it might be a time to focus on increased replenishment and maybe tone down workout energy expenditure. And so that's an interesting, um, helpful tidbit. Uh, but we should all acknowledge that a float of around four pounds of body weight, depending on how much you weigh, right? Whatever percentage, I know that my scale will go up and down around four pounds. So if my body weight is the same, and I've been eating what I believe are to be uh, extra calories because a departure from my typical routine where I wouldn't really bother to eat much until later in the morning, uh, it's got to be healthy, right? Because I'm putting down uh, 100% healthy, nutritious food, uh, like the fruit and the ingredients in the smoothie. So it's not about having more potato chips in the name of um, you know, improved energy production. Uh, so if we can assume that I have healthy gut function due to a lack of those uh, disturbing symptoms and more nutrition, um, it's argued that I'm getting a uh, better energy output, uh, turning up those flames on the stove, 
And as Dr. Tommy Wood says, uh, keep eating as much nutritious food as possible until you gain a pound of body fat, and then you can turn the dial back a bit. So I, I feel good. I can't report some uh, miracle uh, transformation in my athletic performance thanks to eating some extra calories in the morning, uh, but it seems to be working for me. Uh, I have stable body weight. Um, my recent blood results are looking pretty good. And in particular, uh, with numbers like triglycerides at 27, HDL at 79, insulin at 2.3, uh, those are really low on the triglyceride level. Uh, Chris Kelly might argue that there's a possibility of having triglycerides that are too low. That's the amount of fat circulating in your blood. And so to bump that number up, which is almost no one, because most people want to get that down, especially Dr. Sinha urges us to get triglycerides down under 100, um, I could conceivably eat more sugar, more carbohydrate. Uh, fasting insulin at 2.3 is a very favorable score in the eyes of people like Peter Atia, Dr. Paul Saladino, people who are touting this important test. And interestingly, next time you go get your blood test or go to your annual checkup, please ask for a fasting insulin test. It's very rare that it's ordered in a routine panel, uh, but many experts contend it's the single most valuable uh, number or test to track your cardiovascular disease risk and your metabolic syndrome risk, which is uh, characterized by uh, elevated, a chronically elevated insulin production. They call it hyperinsulinemia, and it's believed and regarded by mainstream medical community as the single most uh, disturbing concern about uh, modern citizens' modern diet because it leads to metabolic syndrome, which leads to type 2 diabetes, obesity, cancer, heart disease. So it's absolutely critical to get your insulin under 5 as recommended by Saladino. And the mainstream uh, thought is that they want to see that insulin under 15, which is a lot higher than 5, right? So 5 would be optimal and under 15 would be essential. But if you're out there busting a 12 and you go to your physician and the physician says, okay, looks fine on the insulin, um, you know that optimizing is a lot different than being normal or in the normal range because we are comparing, we are building a database with such a disastrously unfit, unhealthy, overfat, overweight population. And so with those numbers so low, I have so much room for uh, play there that I could conceivably consider a higher carbohydrate diet. Um, my serum testosterone is recently 696. It spanned from 560 to 1008 over the past two years with many, many tests, maybe a dozen tests or maybe 20 tests in the last five years. I go and get it all the time because it's a great way to track uh, that reproduction, re growth, repair, and locomotion, and making sure that all my dials are turned up. Free testosterone, 75 on a scale of 35 to 155. Sex hormone binding globulin, 68 on a scale of 22 to 77. So the sex hormone profile is... Uh, is good. Um, I would even like to see things uh, be superior or optimal, like when I pulled that 1008 and bragged about it on social media. That's an indication that my body was way off the charts in the um, 95th percentile and beyond, even for a younger male specimens. So I'm doing something right there. But it's interesting to see 
that level of range in testosterone numbers from 560 to 1008. And that uh, indicates to me, I think, that um, the testosterone level is so sensitive to uh, your overall levels of life stress and exercise stress. And I believe it's directly correlated with, have I been training too hard in recent times when I go and do that blood number? And also correlated with just natural healthy uh, range. But I'd like to see that always trending on the high side due to the pathetic uh, competition that we're looking at when we're trying to uh, get our blood work in the, in the uh, favorable categories. So I'm going to carry on eating a sufficient level of nutritious food to fuel my many endeavors and goals and flames in daily life. Uh, I'll, maybe I'll see if I can gain a pound of fat and then turn it down a bit. Um, on this topic, it's very interesting to note, I was just reflecting on my podcast with Lindsay Barra, host of the Food of the Gods podcast, where her focus is on interviewing elite athletes in a variety of different sports, from race driving to PGA golfers to Major League Baseball players to Olympic runners, um, how few of the elite athletes on the planet are involved in extreme and or restrictive diets. Uh, we've seen the horrific documentary, what was it called? I forgot the name of it. Oh, Game Changers with all that propaganda and heavy, heavy criticism of how they manipulated uh, scientific insights and assertions to make a case to, to pretend it was a documentary, but really it was propaganda. Uh, look no further than Chris Kresser's lengthy interview with Joe Rogan, where he took it apart uh, with a 77-slide PowerPoint presentation, just how ridiculous it was. Anyway, um, that was a Game Changers was highlighting the vegan or plant-based elite athletes. So they had a handful or however many guys that were uh, touting how they are uh, performing better due to cutting meat out of their diet. And it's a pretty strong message and a strong voice. And the strong leaders in that community are uh, showing, showing what's up. But generally, uh, it's an infinitesimal uh, sample of the elite athletes in all the major sports across the planet. And I think it's just worth discarding. Same with if there were uh, an infinitesimal number of elite athletes proclaiming to be uh, strict keto or carnivore or what have you. In general, as Lindsay Barra reports, and you can find on doing some uh, individual analysis of interviews and commentary from the athletes, in general, today's elite athlete is the, the most prominent uh, aspect of their collective dietary habits is the avoidance of crappy processed foods. And they're probably doing a pretty good job of that, much better than they were five years ago, 10 years ago, or 20 years ago, where there was little attention to diet. Uh, but I still think they're probably um, embellishing how clean their diet is, and they're probably still chowing down uh, a lot of objectionable nutrient-deficient food as they attempt to unwind and balance their lifestyle from the, the extreme training regimen. Um, I saw Lance Armstrong shoving uh, some cookies in his mouth on his private jet, uh, washed down with a diet soda, and I gave him a hard time about it. He didn't really appreciate my feedback, but it was like, dude, you're the biggest and most amazing uh, endurance machine on the planet, and you're putting, uh, you know, poor quality fuel into the machine. It doesn't make sense. Why are you training so hard, but then not paying attention to this? 
Okay, nice aside there, but back to the focus on this collective group of the world's elite athletes uh, in all the sports. You are generally seeing some careful attention to uh, getting rid of the junk, and then across the board, kind of a uh, maybe a rudimentary in the realm of an ancestral health enthusiast, but they're going for their whole grains, they're having oatmeal in the morning, uh, they're having their yogurt, they're getting in uh, a plenty of all the macronutrients, uh, particularly protein, I think they must be doing a good job of that, or otherwise they'd be breaking down under the training load, but they're also consuming plenty of carbs, and it's pretty rare that they would be doing something like restricting fat in the name of a whole food, plant-based approach. It's just not happening, and I think we have to pay close attention to that. You think of Iliad Kipchoge, the greatest maybe the greatest endurance machine that's ever lived, the legendary marathoner who ran the 159 marathon. And he's consuming a lot of that staple Kenyan meal, ugali. Is it ugali? The stew uh, with all the cornmeal in there. And nutritionists uh, evaluated this African runner diet many years ago, decades ago when I first was exposed to it. And they realized that um, it met, it checked a lot of the boxes for across the board uh, protein requirements, macronutrients, plenty of carbs to fuel their incredible training regimens. I would uh, speculate the same for the g- great legends of uh, Tour de France. Chris Froome, he's won a few times recently, probably not on a strict diet, right? And if they wanted further optimization, like getting rid of uh, simple sugars or something, uh, maybe that'll come five years from now. But maybe when they're eating their cream puffs and their eclairs that they hand them on the side of the road, uh, the traditional French fare that they'll hand to a cyclist, it's probably going into a very hot furnace so that those legs can take the rider up another mountain pass. Closer to home, my son Jack going from a six foot two, 155 pound high school basketball player senior year to currently a 200 pound, well muscled strength training and basketball enthusiast who eats nutritious foods all day long seems to be working for him. And I do mean all day long. So he's either working out, resting, and putting a lot of food down and maintaining uh, a much uh, higher level of muscle mass than previously. And I do not think there's any uh, adverse health consequences from someone eating a ton of food, especially when it's nutrient dense. Uh, Now, uh, that might not work for me if I tried to keep up with him and his level of caloric intake, but let's talk to people in the older age groups. And if you're in the 50 plus age group, or maybe even the 40 plus age group, your main goals are going to be number one, preservation of lean muscle mass. That is the essence of aging gracefully. You also might want to enjoy stable, steady energy levels throughout the day, uh, pursue peak performance goals that you enjoy, of course, prevent disease and stay away from those uh, disastrous patterns with metabolic syndrome, type 2 diabetes, all the popular stuff. And I would say that uh, most everyone can nod their head who's in an older age group, uh, perhaps unless you want to excel in an extreme ultramarathon event and you want to stay emaciated, um, good for you. Realize how uh, significantly these extreme endurance goals are potentially compromising your health. And then we go back to this sensible discussion of having uh, broad-based anti-aging peak performance goals, you're going to want to get as much nutritious food as possible. Now, 
let's say you're listening and you're pretty healthy, you're pretty fit, uh, but you have an interest in dropping that final 5, 10, or 15 pounds by perhaps getting a little more disciplined with your diet. Hmm. We have a lot of evidence, especially from Ponser's work, that this is not a highly effective strategy to just cut back on your caloric intake. Your body's going to turn down some of those flames and you're going to adjust over the long term. Over the short term, anything will work. We know that, right? Um, Starvation, biggest loser style, more exercise. But if you're talking about uh, turning the corner and having a uh, healthy, uh, graceful uh, aging experience over the next 5, 10, or 20 years and getting that excess fat off your body, especially your spare tire, the first area of focus is, and this is not my opinion, this is widely validated and and I don't think anyone could dispute this, the first area of focus is to get rid of those toxic, nutrient-deficient, metabolic-inhibiting processed foods, particularly the seed oils. And if you think you're doing a good job, um, Let's try to go up one other level, because when you are out at the restaurant dining, um, research suggests, uh, cited by Shanahan, that up to 40% of the calories found in dining out meals comes from the refined industrial seed oils. The main reason is that they are cheaper than the much higher quality and more temperature-stable oils that they could use if they cared about your health. Same thing for Whole Foods Market. They nickname it Whole Paycheck because they do charge a premium for, by and large, what's a healthier uh, option, healthier offerings than a mainstream supermarket. But the, the stores are still, uh, there's the seed oils are pervasive in all manner of ingredients on the shelf and in their hot bar. And it's just so tragic and inexplicable how they could continue to offer these things, especially when they're uh, touting how healthy they are and how superior they are. Uh, and it's truly to, to save money. That's the only reason. Uh, My son, aforementioned son, worked in a very, very expensive restaurant with the highest prices, and it was just the elite of uh, culinary experience, and they still cooked with these cheap oils. Just shocking that you're charging $100 for a steak and maybe uh, a couple drops of nasty oil in there instead of cooking with the more temperature-stable, saturated fats like ghee, butter, lard, coconut oil, and the like. Hey, what a spot to end for today. And I'm going to put together a part four on the related topic of hormesis in general. So we're going to talk about how all these things stack up with your cold exposure, your sauna, your intense workouts, your fasting, your carb restriction, and try to get optimal here where we can live a challenging, high stimulatory life and uh, grow and develop from the challenges that we face, but not overdo it. So thanks for listening to part three. Love to hear your feedback. I know we're getting a little controversial, potentially confusing from uh, some of the information uh, from uh, different authorities. So let's talk about it together. Let's work through this podcast at bradventures.com. And before you do anything, as I report, before I choose to eat or fast and whatever I choose, you got to get the morning routine going. It will change your life. And we're so excited, all of us that were working on this great project, that the program is available for enrollment. So look at bradkearns.com. You can click on the 
link for online courses, easy to find the morning exercise routine. And we have a complete educational experience for you with video, with eBooks, with audio accompaniments, and you can pick and choose to customize your own ideal morning routine for your fitness level, your interests, and the time available going all the way to my uh, pretty crazy extreme 40 minute routine that have built up slowly and carefully over the past five years without missing a single day. Or you can start with a gentle skeleton setting routine that takes a few minutes, but it gets you on the board and it makes this commitment uh, to your yourself, your own well-being, and to starting the day in a proactive manner. So really, just committing to two or three minutes out of the gate maybe building up to five minutes after the first week, after you get rolling, get some momentum, maybe building up to 10 minutes after the first 90 days. This is the path to changing your life. And I encourage you to just check it out, um, watch the video, get excited about it, and hopefully enroll. Thanks for listening. Hey man, how's your sexual function? Oh, uncomfortable talking about it? Look, we talk about our injured knees, our belly fat, so it's time to get focused on function. I want to tell you about Gaines Wave. This is a cutting-edge protocol where a handheld device sends low-intensity shock waves into your penile blood vessels to stimulate a healing response and promote increased blood circulation and the growth of new blood vessels. A skilled practitioner puts the Gaines Wave magic wand onto your magic wand, and after a series of 6 to 12 very brief treatments, which are painless but extremely effective, you get real results. Gaines Wave reports an 80% success rate. Now, we know that popping pills is a popular penile protocol, but when you're working with clogged pipes, you just get a temporary band-aid effect when you take prescription drugs. Gaines Wave addresses the cause of age-related decline by stimulating growth factors and activating dormant stem cells. Translation, stronger, harder, more sustainable erections. I learned about Gainsway from my podcast guest, Dr. Judson Brandeis at the Brandeis MD Clinic in Northern California, and there's a robust network of Gainswave providers that you can find on their website near you. Complete a series of treatments, and the beneficial effects will last for a long time, especially if you eat and exercise well to promote overall vascular health. It's a tune-up for your equipment, and while it's great for ED, Gaines Wave is for any man that wants to combat the effects of aging and get a little boost for your A-game. So please visit GainesWave.com slash Brad. That's G-A-I-N-S-W-A-V-E dot com slash B-R-A-D to find a practitioner in your area, and you can take advantage of my special promotion, buy six treatments, and get one free. You have nothing to lose and lots to gain from gainswave.com slash Brad. Thank you for listening to the show. I love sharing the experience with you and greatly appreciate your support. Please email podcast at bradventures.com with feedback, suggestions, and questions for the Q&A shows. Subscribe to our email list at bradkerns.com for a weekly blast about the published episodes and a wonderful bi-monthly newsletter edition with informative articles and practical tips for all aspects of healthy living. You can also download several awesome free ebooks when you subscribe to the email list. 
And if you could go to the trouble to leave a five or five star review with Apple Podcasts or wherever else you listen to the shows, that would be super incredibly awesome. It helps raise the profile of the BRAD podcast and attract new listeners. And did you know that you can share a show with a friend or loved one by just hitting a few buttons in your player and firing off a text message? My awesome podcast player called Overcast allows you to actually record a soundbite excerpt from the episode you're listening to and fire it off with a quick text message. Thank you so much for spreading the word. And remember, be rad.